Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Here on Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, August 25th, 2022. I am Graham Gius and Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. What a newsworthy week in the world of wrestling. I'm going to tell this to Mr. Marceau a little bit later on, who is back this week after a one-week hiatus due to scheduling conflicts. But what a week in wrestling. I thought we would have a busy week alone when Johnny Gargano returned to Raw on Monday night. And then Dynamite happened and Tony Khan said, hold my beer. I mean, between the title unification match lasting three minutes and being a glorified squash, that great main event, the all-out card for next weekend being shaken up considerably, we have a lot to discuss on the AEW front this week. And it's refreshing, too, because Mr. Marceau and I really don't have a lot to say about Dynamite from week to week. Either it's not an overly eventful show, or we record before Dynamite starts on Wednesday. So we had a great mix of that this week, a lot of discussion on the AEW front, the good, the bad, and potentially ugly, and the Moxley and CM Punk situation, and everything else going on in the world of all elite wrestling. And some thoughts on Monday's Raw, including the return of Johnny Gargano, Edge, and Damian Priest, headlining in Toronto, and Dexter Loomis kidnapping The Miz before reuniting with Indy Hartwell the next night on NXT. So we have a lot to get to here today, clearly. Before any of that, though, I mentioned Edge earlier. He did have a match on Monday's Raw in his native Toronto against Damian Priest in the main event. The night before that, on A&E, he had his own episode of Biography WWE Legends talking about his life, career, everything the Rated R Superstar well. As a special treat, Edge is back on WrestleRant Radio here today. We had him for the first time, I believe, about a year and a half ago. I think I aired the interview here on the show. I may not have. I don't remember. But I've talked to Edge twice before. Once, several years ago for um, the Viking show he was doing, actually, the, the final season, I believe. Could not air that interview here on the show at the time. That is now available over on the YouTube channel. has been for a few years now. And then I talked to him a second time the day after he won the 2021 Men's Royal Rumble match in January of last year. And again, I don't know if I put the interview here on the show or not. Um, that was a shorter interview. It was like seven minutes, but I put that on... Um, YouTube uh, shortly afterwards. So this is my third interview with the Rated R Superstar, potentially his debut on WrestleRant Radio. This did go up first on my YouTube channel uh, last Friday. So if you missed it, that's the place to check out my interviews before they drop here on the show, over on youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. We have a lot to chat about from his A&E doc, the match with Damian Priest, and everything he's had going on with the Judgment Day, being back in WWE, retirement looming. He did mention that after all went off the air on Monday night. So he did kind of hint at it here in our interview and so much more. It was one of my favorite interviews, honestly, I've done in a long time, if not ever. And I enjoy all of my interviews. But Edge, specifically, was just so fucking cool. Had a lot to share. No kayfabe, which is fine when they do kayfabe. But Edge, specifically, just had a lot to share and a lot of interesting insight on everything going on in WWE right now with the Triple H stuff, what he's got going on, and so much more. So we're airing that interview here on the show today. It did drop an article form as well last Friday over on Bleach Report coming up this weekend. 
Could either be tomorrow, Saturday, or Sunday. I still don't know yet, depending on when I can get it done. But coming up on the channel this weekend, over and over on uh, Fansided's DailyDDT.com, my interview with current Raw superstar Rey Mysterio, a buddy of Edge. We see him on Raw every single week, except for this week. Uh, teaming with his son Dominic and a former Raw and SmackDown tag team champion, world champion. Rey Mysterio, he's a legend. So he'll be back here on WrestleRant Radio coming up next week. That's dropping on the YouTube channel in an article form first sometime this weekend. So again, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant to get it there before you get it here on the show next week. But speaking of that, new episodes, WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. We're on Podbean, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music. Find the show, review the show, rate the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. And then, of course, after the Edge conversation, Mr. Marceau is back, as I alluded to earlier, helping me break down Dynamite from Wednesday and some quick thoughts on Raw on Monday. Enjoy my exclusive interview with the Rated R Superstar, Edge. All right, what's going on, guys? Graham G.S. and Matthews here with BleachReport.com. And ahead of the upcoming episode of Biography WWE Legends, we got a whole slew of legends this season on the show. This coming one on Sunday, August 21st, A&E, 8 p.m. We got one of the rated R superstar, Edge, just making his return to WWE TV at SummerSlam. You can see him every Monday night on Raw as well. Edge, what's going on, dude? Not much, man. Just, uh, yeah, just getting ready for Toronto. Super excited and, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good time. I was going to say, going off of that, so you confirmed this past week on Raw from when we're speaking right now. You're facing Damian Priest in your native Toronto on Raw, your first match on Raw in Toronto, you said, in like 10, 12 years or whatever it is, which is crazy. Uh, talk a little bit about how that came about. Dude, I'm, just, I'm so excited. You know, <laughs> I, I, sat down, I sat down with Paul and you know, I saw that Toronto was coming. We had the storyline with the Judgment Day. It felt like the perfect opportunity to actually do what we kind of used to do, which was promote a Raw match almost mm-hmm. like a month in advance. And I, I just thought it, it seemed like the perfect opportunity and, and a special moment too, not only, uh, I guess, for the audience, but man, for me, like I, I never thought I'd be wrestling again, period, let alone in Toronto. 12 years after I wrestled there on Raw the last time, and I, I think that was against Jay, that was against Christian, so mm. eh, it just kind of boggles my mind, so this whole thing, man, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it, but I'm just in, enjoying it, and the fact that I can go back to my hometown in front of all my friends in Scotia Bank Center against a guy like Priest, who I, I really... I've said for years, I really think he's an underutilized guy, and that mm-hmm. was part of the, the reason for, for the Judgment Day. Um, super fun, man. I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that you get into this industry to do uh, is is nights like this one coming up. So to say I'm excited would be a bit of an understatement. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as a fan. You mentioned the first match on Raw in 12 years since the match with Christian. I remember that. Wasn't that the commercial-free Raw that one rare time? It, it was, where I think, like... Um, you know, uh, it was some kind of stipulation where they picked the opponents or something like that. Yeah, pick your poison. Was, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. And, and so it was uh, him and I, and that was the last time um, that I wrestled in Toronto. Wow. So uh, on, on Raw. So it's you know, it's pretty big, man. It's uh, I, I on my entrance alone, I am going to be blown up so sky high. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be like, okay, I got to get my breath here because you're probably got a long way to go. Um, 
but I, I also think that part of my entrance is you can tell I'm just as excited to be out there yeah. um, doing this thing again, you know, and I think that translates. I think an audience goes, man, that dude loves this gig. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing forced or phony or fake about that. Like I am so fired up. I feel like I could chew through concrete when my music hits. Oh, I know. I mean, we as fans just love it, just hearing it every time you come out. And the fact that it's going to hit in Toronto on Raw, and it's not like you've been wrestling in Raw a lot since you've come back. You only had that one match with Randy, I believe, about a year and a half ago, coming off the Rumble, and that was about it. So it, it definitely feels like an attraction for where you guys are going to be, like you mentioned. And a lot of questions coming off of what you said, but you mentioned sitting down with Hunter, talking to him about putting this match together in Toronto. And you mentioned, too, like, we're long removed from the days of announcing matches. I mean, a week in advance sometimes, but rarely ever two weeks in advance. So when I heard that on Raw, I had to check my ears for a second, thinking, did he mean next week? And then I checked the schedule. I'm like, oh, it was it was two weeks, because we never really see that nowadays. And you're a guy, since you've come back, and you correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but as someone who's had a lot of creative input with what you've been doing, which is cool to see, having, you know, Paul in charge now, creatively, may not change a lot as far as you go, but just your thoughts on the new regime and how it kind of changed changes what you do i guess if if, if at all well I, I think to your point it like i've had a lot of creative input and and that took what you know 25 years of equity with the company yeah. right um so in that regard it doesn't change a lot but what is so fun to see is that it feels like that's going dressing room wide now and that's really cool i think everyone feels super excited and and, and stoked and and just ready to see oh man okay let's let's see how this goes and I think you can already see that's happening and and I know Paul looks at things like a fan because he still is a fan of this mm-hmm. just like I am and that means that you're you're now booking things that that from the fan perspective it's like oh yeah okay that match cool or it's bringing back carrying cross and it's bringing back dakota it's just it's a really fun time to be involved with the company mm-hmm. and um it's it's a transition it's different but I, different's fun and i i so far man I've, I've had a blast going to work and you know kind of biting into getting to do an actual storyline with with Priest and Balor and Rhea now because mm-hmm. it was just kind of floating there for a little while. Now it feels like it's getting a direction, and that's really really fun. And you know, we had to make some changes because of injuries and things like that. You adapt, and that's just what you do. And and I've said, you know, since I come back, I kind of look at myself as a DH hitter, right? So you mm-hmm. put me in where you need me. Okay, so you need me to turn heel. Okay, we'll give it a shot. I don't know if it's going to work, but I'll give it a shot. And. <laughs> Then, okay, uh, got some injuries, need you to turn back face. Uh, all right, cool. We'll give it a shot because I've been trying to be an asshole for two months, <laughs> so we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, um, coming back and doing this and kind of where I'm, I'm slotted again is is where I need to be for everybody's sake. Uh, I think that's kind of what the fans want. I, I it's They know my story, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm getting to do it again. So let's just everybody react how they want to react and let's have some fun with this thing while it's happening because it's not going to last long. Yeah. No, it's funny that you say that too. You talk about like, you know, you were calling everyone, like you were acting like an asshole, calling everyone sheep and all this other sort of stuff. And then your first promo back, you're like apologizing. You're like, you know what, guys? I'm sorry. I didn't actually mean that. All this other stuff. And it's like, it's funny you say that because you're at a point now, you talk about that equity with the company. If that was anyone else, it probably would take a lot longer for to win over that audience again. But people were waiting to cheer you. You know, they were waiting for that music. And 
I love Metalingus and it's great. And I love the fact that when you went heel a couple of months ago, you mentioned how people wanted to embrace you anyway, but the music, every little detail, I was talking to my girlfriend about it, like the detail that you put into that character with the music, getting Alter Bridge to do it. It was so apparent that you had full creative input over it because just everything you did with that character while you were with Judgment Day. And now what we're seeing now with like the brood stuff at SummerSlam, just want to tell you, man, it's so fucking cool to see as a fan. Well, th- thanks, man. You know, it, when when I was first approached about like turning heel because they didn't want a babyface babyface match with AJ at WrestleMania, yep. I was like, I kind of do, but okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's figure this out. So it was, I gotta lose the music because people love it. Yeah. All right. What's a darker alter bridge? Okay, this this is one I've had dog-eared. If this were ever the case, then it was. Went out and got 30 suits made, which I will now never wear again. So I wasted a whole bunch of money on suits. Um, you know, it was it was just trying to change every aspect. It was cut the hair. It was lose every semblance of the edge that they'd been enjoying and try and reinvent this thing, which is a big challenge almost, you know, 30 years into my career. Um, I think we were just starting to make some headway, truthfully. Like, it felt like at Hell in a Cell. I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. starting to buy in a little bit and then the next day we did the flip <laughs> and <laughs> i knew going into that match it was happening so it was kind of like bittersweet yeah um because I, I i just you know in terms of the the talent involved in the judgment day i really believe in all of them so uh it, it would have been cool to kind of be a mentor to that but it's equally as cool to be opposite of that um and and play off of that so you know i get a guy like priest in toronto hell yeah you know give give me that all day oh man you know we've been looking forward to it for a while you guys have had interactions over the years you talked about on raw talk this past week about the advice that you would give him and him keeping you up late at night with all this other sort of stuff so there is that realism there which i love what you're doing right now and we've been seeing that for a while we saw that during the seth feud about a year ago going a little bit back you know uh, going bit of back to that about a year ago SummerSlam, and i was there last year hearing that brood music was a phenomenal experience i know you've talked a little bit about it before in past interviews but just talk a little bit about how that came about and i know gangrel was about to use it elsewhere and that kind of came to a head and whatever and we've seen him since on tv which is cool but just want to get from your standpoint how that came about because vince seems like the sort of person not knowing him personally that would probably make people think that fans we wouldn't remember it although you know that we do so i just want to get your opinion on that whole thing well that was a big thing i truly believe that wrestling fans love history being called back and and the layers of story that we can add to that i had to fight to get the this you know the seth uh curb stomp on the briefcase involved in our story and that's just because i was just i just mentioned it in live promos yeah because to me there was history there that needed to be touched upon because it, it added so many different layers to our story it wasn't just this current thing no man this started when you know i was retired and now we can bring it full circle. Uh, the brood thing, uh, again, it just felt like the natural progression of the story. And, and this guy brought out that bad side. And let's do this entrance. And some people might not remember. But guess what? We got the best production company team in the world to remind them. Mm-hmm. And now it's something we can get back into every once in a while at SummerSlam this year. Let's do the entrance. And then it's that it was just that one time deal, but brood edge is always there to be able to dip into if we need it. It's, it's really, and it's fun for me because I love the brood. The brood was the first instance where I felt comfortable in the WWE, mm-hmm. where I, I truly felt like, okay, 
we got something here. We're on to something here. And I talked about that in the documentary too, where it was the first element of character that I kind of understood and could bite into, no pun intended. <laughs> and, and, and the brood really helped me take the next step, which was Edge and Christian. And then from Edge and Christian to Solo Edge and then, and so on and so on. A lot of it's about reinvention or just trying to, you know, re, recreate um, without losing, I guess, the core elements of the character, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think that's part of what I did with the Judgment Day thing was try and reinvent everything. And it was probably too much to try and do, you yeah. know. Um, but uh, again, where I'm back now feels like the, the the place to be. Yeah, and you're getting the reactions. Like I said, you came back, you got this massive reaction at SummerSlam this year, and we're going to be back in Toronto for a couple of weeks to get another monster reaction when you go back there. But it's cool that you mentioned reinvention. You've always been the master of reinvention, going back to your original run with the company, and you've only been back two and a half years now. I say only, but it's been two and a half years. I mean, it's it's blown by, obviously, I'm sure for you as well. But, you know, just looking at it and everything you've done, you came back as, you know, the regular old Edge, and we've seen Rated R Superstar Edge a little bit, and you mentioned the Brood Edge and Judgment Day Edge, and now the Edge we all know and love we're seeing on TV right now, which is cool. It's pretty amazing that in 2022, all these years removed from the brood, which we will revisit in the documentary, as you mentioned, that you and Jay, Christian, obviously, are two of the very best going in your respective companies right now. As a fan, it's just surreal to even think about. Probably not too surprising, considering the talent involved there, but it's still super cool to say. Uh, we're, we're both having a blast, man. Like, I just talked to him today, and, and we just... The fact that we're both back doing this when we're both never supposed to be able to do this because and to get back and and feel like we're contributing too, you know, that that's that's huge for us because we take pride in what we do. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just fun. You know, we'll just sit back and kind of go like, wow, here we are. Look at that. <laughs> it's like that Paul Rudd on the hot ones. Huh, yeah. Look at us. Look at us. It's kind of, that's kind of what happens sometimes where it's just, it's still surreal. Um, yeah, there's, I, and th- I don't want to lose that. The, to me, there's still those surreal things like this documentary for A&E. Like, I never thought I'd have an A&E documentary, <laughs> yeah. let alone have Bret Hart and Hulk Hogan and the undertaker making comments in it. Like, there's still stuff that happens like that where I just, uh, you know, sometimes I, I pinch myself and go, yeah, it's no, it's happened. That, that happened. Main event of WrestleMania since I've been back. What? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't want to lose that because it makes me appreciate it. And I, I want to appreciate and soak in every nanosecond of this because I know, you know, it's been two and a half years, but I know the window's not much longer. And I just need to appreciate every time I'm in that ring. And I do. Yeah. And it comes across on TV. Like you said, you appreciate it. You said it when you first came back. What was that? I I, I think it does. Yeah. I I, I truly think it it translates to the audience. Like, man, this dude, he got it back. Yeah. And he really loves this thing. And and I do. There's just no way around it. To me, it is the best gig in the world. (laughs) And... Uh, it mixes all of the things that I love. It's, it's, I said in the documentary, it's athleticism, it's writing, it's acting, it's creating, it's, it's all of those things, all just these creative things that you can tap into. And that to me, um, again, makes it the best gig in the world. 
And like you said, yeah, it's apparent on TV. And that's why people cheer you. That's why you're the, the fan favorite that you are every time you come out on the show. And you mentioned the documentary. I think it's cool, too, because we've had other docs on you before on the network and, you know, DVDs and whatever. The one that, that came out right after you retired around the time that uh, you were inducted in the Hall of Fame, which was great. But you're looking at it now with this A&E doc with even more perspective looking back now, being back in the ring and whatever, which is going to be really cool to watch in A&E coming up on the uh, 21st of August, which, you know, we mentioned earlier. But last question for you, man. You mentioned it right there as far as enjoying every second of it. I think part of the idea of this run too is that this one can end on your own terms. Last one, it wasn't up to you, which has its pros and cons. You've talked about that before, but this one, hopefully you can end on top on your own terms when you want to. Are you not looking to the end of the tunnel at all? I mean, obviously you signed on for a certain amount of years, but just talking about as far as like, is there like a certain age in your mind that you're like, all right, I want to be done by this point or whenever it feels right to you. Oh man, my original age is 40. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh man, I screwed that up. But, you know, I I had to retire at 37. So I feel like I didn't get that, those, those last three years of of stuff I wanted to do. Cause I felt like I was just moving in a position where I was helping teach. And I was really looking forward to that. You know, because I had so many people over the years, so many veterans help me along the way that I felt like, great, now it's my turn. Now I can do that. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like this run, I've been able to do some of that. And that, to me, has been one more layer on this cake um, that was already pretty tasty cake anyway. You know, I, so I, I am enjoying and soaking in every moment with the absolute complete, you know, realization that it, it's, it's going to end soon. So I, I know the end's in sight. I can see it. Mm-hmm. And because of that it almost makes me enjoy it more. And because I had to retire for nine years, it makes me enjoy everything that much more. And it, it puts it all in perspective. Um, and then once it's done, I'm dad. And, mm-hmm. and that's the better gig than this. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I know it's, it's going to sound egotistical, but I, I just friggin' love my life, man. <laughs> and, and it, 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 my life and the WWE has given me, everything i've ever wanted and then some so i i'm just uh yeah i'm just enjoying the whole ride man that's awesome man we're very happy to hear that we love seeing you on raw every week and we're gonna love seeing you in this any documentary coming up biography wwe legends sunday august 21st as they mentioned 8 p.m on a and e which again it's the real to say like you said an edge documentary in a and e i wish i had this 10 years ago <laughs> when i was in high school you know it's cool i look there's so much content, you know, it's, it's awesome. We see on Peacock too. It's fantastic. But Edge, this has been great, man. Always awesome chatting with you. You're always a pleasure, man. Have a great day. I appreciate it, dude. Thanks. You too, Grant. Big thanks to Edge for the time. He was fantastic to talk to. And as I alluded to earlier, you can check out my full interview with Edge in, in audio form over on my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant, and in article form over on Bleacher Report from last Friday. And as I mentioned earlier, don't miss my chat coming up with Rey Mysterio here on the show next week. But before then, over on my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant in audio form, and an article form over on Fansided. It's dailyddt.com coming up sometime this weekend. With all that being said, that we got Mr. Marceau back here on WrestleRant Radio joining me to break down what has been an incredibly newsworthy week in wrestling. Mr. Marceau, brother, great to have you back. Thanks for having me back. I know, last week just our schedules didn't work, and now I'm back. So there you go. Hey, back on the show. Flying solo like it was early 2014 again, days of WrestleRant Radio. I know, I listened to it. It was actually a really good show, though. I thought you did well. I mean, you were all over the place like we normally are, but uh, 
Besides that, I thought you did well by yourself. Don't tell don't don't praise me because then that's gonna convince me to start doing it on my own again. I'm gonna have, might have to give you the boot for the second time. Seriously, honestly, I think you're better without me. Might as well just can we now? <laughs> Almost give you PTSD. Might as well just end the phone call and we'll just move on. <laughs> no, we have a lot to discuss here today. I'm glad you're here. You picked a good week to make this work. And I'm glad we waited. I mean, I know you're on your way to work right now as we speak, so I'll, I'll keep you for the allotted time. But, you know, we have a lot to discuss. Not only from last week, I went on for an hour and a half rambling about God knows what from AEW and all these other promotions, WWE and whatnot. But we picked a good week to reunite here on the show on a regular Thursday time slot as a lot went down this past week. The theme of this week in wrestling was what the fuck just happened. And my leading story for this week was going to be Johnny Gargano coming back to Monday Night Raw this past week. And it was a great moment, and we'll get to that, obviously. But then Dynamite came on Wednesday and said, hold my beer. It seemed like Dynamite, I wasn't expecting it to get swept under the rug, but I thought Monday's Raw was very good. They were in uh, Toronto this week. SmackDown even last Friday was a very good show. And I was not expecting Dynamite to be kind of be forgotten about, but WWE has all this positive momentum, a lot of buzz right now for the first time in a long time, specifically Raw, a show that has been notoriously terrible for a very long time. Dynamite has largely been received as a good show. They've had their issues. We point them out. We, we call them out on their shit. Um, but, you know, largely it's a well-received show with really not a lot going on. That's the biggest thing I would say about Dynamite in the last couple of months, specifically this summer, is that not a lot has been going on without CM Punk there, Kenny Omega there, Brian Danielson there, MJF not there. But they're all back, except for MJF, who I'm sure will be back at some point in the foreseeable future as we head towards the fall season. This week, specifically on Dynamite, was a major, major, major show. Title unification match, CM Punk, John Moxley, uh, for the first time ever on Dynamite television, for the first time in general since they first faced off in WWE almost 10 years ago, um, back in 2013, if you can believe it. But it was the AEW World Champion versus the interim AEW World Champion. And it was built up as this big match. We were wondering, I mean, you weren't here last week, but we discussed it over text. Why are they doing this on television? And I had my own theories. You had your own theories. I'm not a fan of doing big matches like that on TV. But we found out last night why they did that. And that's because it was a glorified squash. John Moxley beat Punk in a matter of minutes. We have no idea what's going on there. But let's honestly just get right into it. I know this was the biggest story from Dynamite last night. We'll lead with this. I thought Dynamite was a very newsworthy show, a mixed bag of a show, per usual, I would say. But, um, you know, we'll get to the other stuff. I thought the opening segment was great. I thought the main event was awesome. I know you might have differing thoughts. I'll get to those momentarily, as I mentioned. But let's start with what we're all talking about coming out of Wednesday night. CM Punk getting squashed by John Moxley after Punk seemingly re-injured his foot. Is it legit? Is it not legit? I would say no. Obviously, on the spot itself, I would say that was not legit. Was he already hurt going in? Did they bring him back too soon? Was that always the idea? I would say so. I mean, he's only been back for two weeks. I'm not really sure why they would bring him back if they thought he was cleared and then he's not actually cleared to wrestle a full-length match. So I don't think that's the case. But again, a lot more questions than answers coming out of Wednesday's show. The bottom line is that John Moxley is now the undisputed WWE, or WWE, the undisputed AEW World Champion. So... A lot going on here, Mr. Marceau. What's your reaction coming out of Wednesday's Punk versus Moxley squash match? Confused uh, would be the first word I would I would use. I mean, I didn't watch live. I had caught up. Um, I was at a concert, so I got home around like 9 o'clock. So I had caught up pretty much right before the show actually went off the air. And I was confused. I, I would say confused was my first thought. And then it was like a WTF moment. I mean... At first, they said that Punk got hurt with the Inziguri kick, but then he grabbed the foot that was planted, so then I was like, that's weird. 
And then Moxie literally just hit him with two paradigm shifts, and then boom, one, two, three. I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I, I, I'm still kind of like lost of words. I mean, I'm not been the biggest Moxley fan in, in AEW. I mean, guy bleeds in every TV match. I'm surprised he didn't bleed here. I mean, it wasn't really a moment to, but, um, I mean, he's now. I guess now he's the the interim champ, the the, the real champion, the, the the full AEW world champion. I mean. If Punk's really hurt, I don't really know what to say. I mean, I feel like if he actually did get hurt, then the company just rushed him back for no reason. But in storyline, I just don't really know where what you'd go with that way anyways. I mean, Punk single-handedly is the biggest draw they have. The show suffered a lot. Even I'm not even the biggest Punk fan, and I can admit that. I feel like the show suffered a lot when he was away on injury comes back he had the two good segments when he's been back and then he gets beat in a squash and seemingly off tv again with an injury i mean i i, I guess i just what, what does this do for all out i mean who, who who's moxley gonna face at the pay-per-view i i, I mean people are saying mjf but the, i mean theoretically that would make no sense because he hasn't wrestled in months and the last time we saw him he got squashed by wardlow at uh double or nothing other people are saying Adam Page. Haven't seen him wrestle a match on TV in, I'd probably say, weeks to a month. I mean, I, I don't remember the last time I saw Adam Page in a singles match. So, I, I really don't know. Like I said, I, I know it's big and newsworthy and it got people talking, but I think it left way more answers to more questions than an answer because it just was... I feel like it was just a swerve for a swerve. Like, it got people talking, but I just... I just don't see any positive out of Moxley just squashing Punk. I mean, Punk is the guy. Moxley's just, I mean, I haven't really been, like I said, I haven't been a big fan of a lot of what he's done. And I just think Punk should be the champion at this point. I feel like he should have held the belt. If MGF ever was coming back or is coming back, obviously do Punk and MGF, and MGF would be the one to take the belt off Punk. Moxley being the one just doesn't do much for me. So, I mean, like I said, it was a squash. You said the same thing. But... We have to, you know, the asterisk is there is that Punk in storyline was hurt. So he does have an out for losing in a matter of minutes, mind you. Um, In a vacuum, it was very disappointing. As a one-off match, as the single probably biggest match they could have done right now, obviously two world champions. But even without the championships involved, Punk and Moxley, although we've seen it before between two WWE guys, is a major match. I mean, the promos alone last week, which again, we didn't have a chance to discuss together here on the show, but I thought they were fantastic. They had a lot of great verbal back and forth there. Punk arguably, arguably got the better of Moxley on the mic anyway, and they're both great talkers. So in a vacuum, as a match they promoted for a week long, it was disappointing. As I mentioned earlier, I'm very glad in retrospect they did not do this at the pay-per-view. If I'm someone spending $50 on a show like this for a match that big, and it goes three minutes, I would be fucking disappointed. Now, I know WWE has done this before with Brock and Goldberg back in, or Brock and Cena back in 2014. That was a bit of a longer match. No one was complaining about that because it was fantastically done. We had never seen anything like that before, probably in wrestling ever. And then they did it again with Brock and Goldberg in 2016. Now, both were done in a way to achieve something. The Brock and Goldberg thing, the night that it happened, I honestly forget your reaction. I know we discussed this a lot. You actually wrote a column about it on WrestleRant.com that's still there. I remember being fucking, like, pissed. I'm thinking, why would they build Brock up for two years only to have him get squashed by a near 50-year-old? 
in a matter of 90 seconds. Now, that was done to make Goldberg look like a beast, which it did, and Goldberg had a very successful run out of it, so I guess it achieved what they wanted to. I still would not have done that in retrospect. It's like A lot like the streak breaking, they did that to make Brock look more like a beast, and it achieved that, and it gave him that aura. Was it necessary? No. Um, so what I'm trying to tell you here is that I think... Like I texted you, and as I've just been kind of sitting here thinking about it in the last 12 hours since it happened, that I I think there's more of a long-term story here. That it's hard for me to judge 100%. I think it's stupid too. I think it is a I think it is a swerve for the sake of a swerve, as it stands right now. I still have enough goodwill, I would say, with Tony Khan's booking that I want to give it a chance. I know the it, it's turned into a joke and, you know, we've used this excuse before in WWE. Oh, wait for it to play out. The problem with, I mean, now with Triple H, it's a different story. With Vince, though, I can't apply that excuse. I couldn't I couldn't apply it anymore just because he had burned us so many times. They clearly have no, the, no fucking clue where they're going with certain things, or at least they didn't with Vince at the helm. So that's why I kind of thought it was a joke that people would say that towards the end of Vince's tenure there. With Tony Khan, it's been three years. He's made a lot of questionable decisions, but nothing too egregious, at least in my opinion, that would make me go, this guy clearly has no idea where he's going with this. And he very well may not. He very well may not. But I would like to see where we go with it next before I can make a full judgment as far as what the fuck he just did here. It really does, looking at the pros and the cons, I would say the cons outweigh the pros as well, as you had mentioned. You had mentioned there was no positive which I do agree with. I mean, the only positive is also a negative in that it's a swerve and it creates buzz. But is it positive buzz or is it negative buzz is the question. For a lot of people, I think I'm included in this. I want to see where they go with this next because we clearly have no idea. It seems like with a lot of things in AEW, because they do things the right way more often than not, we can kind of see where they're going two or three steps ahead. With this, though, we honestly have no idea. And there's a few different factors here that could play in. Uh, one thing that we didn't mention that you didn't talk about just there that I mentioned a lot last week that was the big story was the Punk Heat. That was a big story going into Dynamite last night. He audibly got booed in Cleveland. Now, Moxley is from Ohio, so that probably is a factor as well. But it sounded like it was a bit more than usual booing Punk when he was in the ring for that match before the match started. Um... Do you think that could be playing a factor in why they took the championship off of him so quickly? He only won the belt three months ago. He got hurt two days later, three days, three or four days later. And then he came back a few weeks ago, and he's already lost the championship. Do you think it has anything to do with the Heat? I don't think it does. I think they might just play into it. Um, I, I don't think that has anything to do with it. Do you think that could be a factor, though? I I mean, it could be. If it is, it's the dumbest decision they've ever made. I mean, he's the biggest star in the company. I mean, he should be Teflon, really, at this point. I mean, he's probably the highest paid, highest drawing. I mean, because he got heat because people don't like what he is. Tough shit. I mean, I, I think the Young Bucks and their whole crew are starting to realize that Punk is a bigger star than them, a lot bigger star than them, and I think that's what's drawing the heat, and... I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you can't fight numbers, and if they took the belt off him for P reasons, then Tony Khan's a fucking idiot. I don't think that's why they did it, but if they did, then it's probably one of the dumbest decisions I've ever heard. You mentioned this before as far as you don't see, like, the positive as far as why they would do this, and I do agree because it's hard for me to sit here right now and, and justify this without knowing 100% where they're going. They might be going in a different direction than we're all expecting or even thinking of, but... I don't want to give him too much credit. Tony Khan isn't a complete genius. But that being said, though, 
it, what do you think they could do coming out of this, whether it be at All Out or in the future, whatever, that would make this worthwhile? I don't think Punk doing a rematch at All Out, which, why would you? If Punk's supposed to be her, why would we get a rematch? That that seems a little silly. If the pay-per-view's in 10 days, that that's bizarre to me. I don't know why you would do that. Um, so, I don't think doing a rematch and have Punk winning it back in Chicago would be a good idea. I think that would be dumb. I think that'd be a waste. Um, especially if you gave away the first match. And honestly, if they do a rematch, I'm not nearly as excited. They gave away the match. I know that we would get a full-length match between the two, but it wasn't really about the match. It was more about the build and the promos. And we have one Dynamite left. I mean, how much can you really do between now and then? The fact they did this a week and a half before the pay-per-view is what really bothered me. If they did this a month or two before the pay-per-view, then I'd be like, okay, then you have more time to build up a story and whatever, blow it off the pay-per-view. But they're not doing that. Like with Punk and MJF the first time, they did it on TV, but they did it a month before the show in Chicago, and it made sense why they did it, to give MJF a win over Punk before Punk beat him at the pay-per-view. That, to me, made sense. This, a week and a half before the pay-per-view, Punk goes in there in Chicago, wins it back? Eh, I don't know. They do a rematch, Punk turns heel and wins it back? Eh, I don't know. It seems like, to me, that they're headed towards a Punk heel turn, capitalizing off the Punk rumors and whatever. I don't think Punk's going anywhere. I thought that was dumb from the get-go. He does seem like, obviously, a bit of a baby in certain respects, as far as certain... I mean, that's not breaking news. I mean, this has been out about Punk for a long time. But I don't think Adam Page is a complete saint in the whole thing, either. I do feel like there might be more to that than what we even know right now. Because all we know, dude, from what Punk said to Sports Illustrated yesterday, is... The Punk side of the story, do you think this... We'll get to more of the heat and how it affects AEW in the whole, but do you think there's more to the Punk stuff than what we know, obviously? I mean, we don't know every side of the story, but do you think it could be a case of not Adam Page, but maybe someone from the Elite or whatever on that side of the camp saying to Dave Meltzer, hey, there's heat on Punk right now, he's a big baby, and they're also part of the problem as well, depending on who that is, leaking the information to the dirt sheets? Well, yeah, I think if anyone's... I feel like that's who's leaking into the dirt sheets. Like I said, they're coming... They're, they... they think that they were the ones that started like they were the reasons the company was started and then i mean then they start bringing all these big wwe guys who have name value who are stars and are eating up all the spotlight i mean i, I mean i feel like that's it's kind of like feels like what the wcw guys probably felt when they brought in hogan and all those other guys like yeah like they were a big part but then you bring in bigger stars i mean it's just gonna outweigh the other guys that think they're important so i mean I think that's our case. I mean, it'd be dumb. I just I just think Moxley, if you're going to do what they did, I just think Moxley was the wrong person as well. Realistically, if they were going to do this the whole time, which I don't think they were anyways, no. I would have just kept Brian, I would have kept Brian Heel, not done the whole dumb fucking Blackpool comic club because they haven't really gone anywhere with that. You keep Brian as the heel, like beating the shit out of people. You have him win the tournament. You have Punk come back early because Brian's causing a muck, and then you have Brian kick the fucking shit out of him, and then that would make Brian Danielson the biggest fucking heel, really stomping in Punk's face, and then you could do a rematch, and Punk would be the biggest babyface. Mm-hmm. That's what they should have done. Because I feel like Moxley's like a tweener; like no one booed him. No, I don't think he was supposed and like to be you said, booed. if they had Punk come back, and then like you said, if Punk came back and like they turn him heel it all out or something, were they gonna boo him in Chicago? No. That's the thing. Where, where do you think? Don't even make sense. I don't so. think we're getting what <clears throat> what I'm thinking they're going to do with the punk heel turn. I don't think they're doing it in Chicago. That's the thing. But then it also raises the question: if you don't do it there, then where do you do it? And like you said, what do you do with the top title picture? You mentioned the top two names that people have talked about. 
Adam Page. And who was the other name you mentioned? Uh, MJF. Oh, MJF. All right. So we talked with this over text yesterday. It's not MJF. I know that was like the leading story going into last night's Dynamite. The moment, and I think, I don't know if I mentioned this on Hashtag or if it was after the fact. I don't think it was. I think, okay, yeah, no, it wasn't. I recorded Hashtag, and I thought that was an idea. And I thought it was an idea a week ago when they first announced the match. I'm thinking, clearly there's got to be something bigger at stake of the pay-per-view. It's probably MJF, which I wasn't in, in favor of. I wasn't a fan of doing that, but I just thought it was a possibility and a likely one of that. After I recorded the Q&A video yesterday, I saw that, again, you got to take this stuff with a grain of salt, but as far as why they're doing the match or why they did the match on TV yesterday, apparently it was a John Moxley pitch, and then Punk eventually agreed to it was the exact verbiage used. So if it was a Moxley pitch, I don't think if Moxley's pitching, oh, let's bring back MJ, like, that has nothing to do with it, so... I don't think one has to do with the other. I don't know if MGF is back anytime soon. I don't think so. He'll probably be back, honestly, if I'm booking things or if I'm mapping this out. I've always thought he'll either be back in time for or at the Arthur Ashe show in New York. I know he's from Long Island. He's not from New York City. It, there's a difference. He got booed at the show last year when he faced Brian Pillman, which feels like a fucking eternity ago when he faced Brian Pillman Jr. But he would definitely get a massive reaction in New York if he came back on that show. So they like to make that Grand Slam show a big deal. That's what I'm expecting. Whether they announce it or not, I wouldn't announce Why the fuck would you announce someone that got suspended in storyline? So I wouldn't do that. But anyway, I never really thought... Yeah, MGF... I wouldn't do that either. No, I... What, at the pay-per-view or do it at Arthur... Or what, announce it ahead of time? I would wait till Arthur Ashe if he's coming back. Yeah, no, I but agree. I wouldn't announce it. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do it at all out. I wouldn't announce it either. So that's out of the question. I never really... Coming off of that report yesterday, I'm thinking, okay, that's not happening. Adam Page was the next name that came to mind. Um... Even while watching the show last night, I'm thinking, all right, after that match, I'm thinking, all right, they're doing Moxley and Page at the pay-per-view. I was kind of convinced of that. The only issue is, there are a couple of issues. Um, one, he has not been in action in a while. Two, he is ranked number one, but we haven't even seen him on the show in weeks. So I'm not putting it past Tony Khan to bring him back and do the match on pay-per-view because they haven't done that match one-on-one yet. I don't think in AEW, Moxley and Page. Again, another big match, a first-time ever match that should feel bigger than that. If they're going to give it away on, what, four-day four day notice, that's ridiculous. Without any hint of build whatsoever. At least Punk and Page had that lingering cliffhanger from Punk's promo last week. Shoot or not. I mean, at least, I honestly, I'd be more interested in seeing that rematch than um, Page and Moxley at this point. Because that has no heat or build whatsoever. And that that's kind of the theme for that entire all-out card that we'll get to momentarily. And then the third issue is that, I don't know if you saw the graphic, but they're doing House of Black versus Dark Order on Friday's Rampage, which... Was already it was already um, you know taped and whatever. I don't look at the spoilers. I don't want to know. But they're promoting a mystery partner now. I know Evil Uno's not going to be there. He had mentioned on Being the Elite that he won't be the partner. The only other option is Preston Ten Vance. And if it was number ten, then why the fuck wouldn't you announce that? It very well is Adam Page. Um, and if it's Adam Page, then he's probably not getting a title shot. That to me makes more sense. So with all of that being said, people had speculated. Eddie Kingston, but it sounds like... Did you hear the report or the rumor about Eddie Kingston last night? Yeah, that he smacked up Sammy Gravar. I heard that. And he might be suspended because they were promoting, you know, or at least building to Eddie and Sammy at All Out. We've had no progression on that in the last two weeks, probably because something happened with Eddie and he won't be on the show for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So if that's the case, then it's not going to be Eddie. I honestly don't really know. Do you think it's like... They already did Moxley and Tanahashi. I honestly, I feel like there's honestly a good chance that we don't get a match on pay-per-view, which sounds ridiculous considering they only have four or five shows a year, pay-per-views a year. But like, 
I would almost prefer them not doing a match than doing a match that feels forced or has no build. And if you don't do with a match, if you don't have Moxley defend, then what's the main event? Jericho and Danielson? I mean, I'm looking forward to that, actually. I think it's going to be a really good match. But with no stakes, I don't know if that's the best idea. So, I mean, you're kind of elaborating on what you mentioned earlier. Where do you think, how do you think this affects the all-out card and what the main event would be instead? Do you have any ideas? I honestly have no clue. Like I said, the people that I would even think that would possibly be in the running, I just like you said, they just don't fit in the puzzle right now. I mean, like you said, I, I mean, they could do Hangman and he loses, and then they do him and they, they Dark Order could lose, and they, I don't know. I really don't. I, I, I think if, like I said, if they just did it to make a swerve and do it on TV, like that's fine, but I mean, I would have waited for the pay-per-view, but. I don't know. Like, it's like, I feel like it's just because I don't know what the direction is next. I can't really say. And I feel like everyone that's big t- big enough to put in a title match is already busy. So it's like, what do you do now? Yeah, that's the problem. Exactly. I don't know. It's yeah. confusing. No, it's very confusing. And again, it, part of it is exciting to me because I don't know where they're going to go with it. But at the same time, I'm mapping out possibilities in my head. It's not like they can go in four or five different exciting directions. I mean... They can, subjectively, I guess you can argue that some of the possibilities are interesting. To me, Moxley and Page on a four-day's notice at a pay-per-view, to me, is not interesting. That just feels fucking lazy, and I would not do that. Um, the other name, you meant Eddie Kingston is not an option. and That's not even something I want to see anyway. I mean, we've already seen Eddie Kingston and Moxley Yeah, we've already times. seen them. We've already seen them, I was going to say. I, yeah, I and Eddie Kingston's been a perennial loser lately. I don't really want to see that. I love Eddie Kingston, but that makes no sense, even if that was the case, which it doesn't sound like it is. And then, um, honestly, I'm sorry, but who was the other name you mentioned? I keep forgetting. MJF, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, I keep forgetting about him because he's out of sight, out of mind, but it's not MJF, so I, I like really maybe, don't know. Hey, maybe, like, dust Miro off? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right, dude. Yeah, like, is Miro busy? I don't know. I mean, just pick up the rankings and throw them away. The issue with the rankings is that Paige is still number one after X amount of weeks, but he has barely been on the show. I mean, it isn't isn't it a little weird from a storyline standpoint. Even so okay, Punk's comment about Paige was a shoot. It seemed that way, it was confirmed to be that way. Cool. Why wouldn't you capitalize on that by having Paige on the show this week? I know they're not planning on doing Punk and Paige, but why wouldn't you even have him on the show alluding he wasn't even on the show. He feels as cold as ice right now. I mean that seems a little weird. He is weird. cold. I mean he has Cold as ice, no uh, pun towards Foreigner last night. Great song, but uh, yeah, I just, I really don't get it. I don't. Like you said, he's number one. He's never on TV. FTR has been number one for like six months. They've never had a title shot. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. I just don't. The rankings at this point, like you said, you could just throw them out the window because they really don't have any right or reason at this point. Well, let's talk about them. The entire All Out card has been shaken up. It seems like the entire build of this pay-per-view has been a mess, and there's no excuse. I know they've had Forbidden Door and Death Before Dishonor, but their last AEW exclusive show was three months ago with Double or Nothing. They have more than enough time to build this stuff up properly. I know injuries got in the way uh, with Punk. They probably didn't know if he'd be cleared until a couple of weeks ago. But the rest of the card, aside from the women's situation, because, again, that was an injury-related thing, too, there, there's no excuse. I mean, Eddie getting suspended. I mean, what the fuck is even... It's just seemingly, that's not confirmed. Seemingly. Um, there seems to be a lot of bullshit going on right now backstage. What's your whole take on that thing before we go further with the all-out card as far as 
just the chaos backstage. And to me, as I said yesterday, kind of the inmates running the asylum sort of situation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's seeming like getting out of control. I mean, I mean, like I said, people seemingly going into business for themselves. Seems like people are fighting backstage. I mean, it's just tough. I mean, I think I think it's like I said, it's kind of like the WCW WWE mindset at that time when they were bringing in the old big stars. You had people that were there forever. It's probably like what they felt like in TNA, like when you had Bobby Roode, AJ. James Storm, Samoa Joe, and then they just bring in Kurt Angle, Nash, Booker T. Like they bring in all these guys that are getting paid more money, don't care as much, or just like they're just at a different level and they're getting treated differently. I mean, that was basically MJF's bitch. That I mean, he's been there since day one, busting his ass, and they just bring in all these ex WWE guys that are taking over the spotlight and getting paid more money. I mean, that has to be a factor. I mean, that is. I mean, money at the end of the day always is a factor. Um, but I mean. Seemingly, it seems like once Triple H got in charge, it seems like backstage AEW's kind of gone down the tubes. I don't know if just morale's been not there, like I said, just because so many more WWE X guys are getting more spotlight. But I don't know. It seems like it's seemingly each and each week. We never used to hear anything. It's like even if there was any drama, nothing was even being reported. And now even Uncle Dave is fucking reporting negative stuff, which he never did before. So yeah. I don't know. What, what, I think it's just a whole different smorgasbord of different stuff going on. But I would say money and probably the, the new guys coming and getting more shots and TV time is probably like what's really affecting backstage morale. I mean, look no further than the actual shows. I mean, the Jericho Appreciation Society shit dominates these shows. Uh, Daniel Bryan is on the show quite a bit, which is fine. I mean, the guy's amazing. He deserves it. But, you know, Punk... Moxley, okay, big stars. They should be on TV weekly. But what about the entire undercard? I mean, how cold is Wardlow right now? Did you see he was defending on Friday against fucking Ryan Nemeth? I mean, what is this shit? <laughs> I did not see that. That's awful. That's terrible, dude. They announced that yesterday. I'm thinking, come on, what is this? I know he's a part of the six-man of the pay-per-view, but let's go into each announcement here, you know, one by one, and try to dissect things. So Wardlow, for the fourth or fifth consecutive pay-per-view, is not him, not him specifically, but the championship itself will not be defended on an AEW pay-per-view. It was not on the line at all, or uh, double or nothing. Um, it was a six-man, that pointless six-person tag team match, which was terrible. At Revolution, it was again on the line, or not on the line, rather, in a six-man tag team match with Sammy Guevara and Andrade and the Hardys or Matt or whatever it was. So that was at, uh, you know, all, a revolution rather in March. And then Full Gear in November? I, oh, it was um the Jericho, not the Inner Circle versus the uh, um, American Top Team. American match. Top Team. Yeah, yeah, that Sammy Guevara was TNT champion for. So the last time we got the championship on the line on an AEW exclusive show was back at All Out last year, Miro and Eddie Kingston, which is ridiculous. Now, I know it's a TV championship, but it's not even like it's an important TV title. Wardlow's been champion now for, I don't know, what, two months? I honestly don't remember. We haven't seen Scorpio Sky in the show since. I mean, they might as well just let that guy go. I mean, what's the point of even having him around at this point? Ethan Page became a member of the new... I like Malcolm Biv and Stokely Hathaway, but him recruiting like the fucking losers to me just does nothing. I mean, Lee Moriarty I like, but we haven't seen him on the show in forever. Ethan Page is just booked terribly. The Gun Club, give me a fucking break. I mean, I love Stokely. The guy's not a miracle worker. I don't think he's going to get over those losers, but just my opinion. Um, 
So anyway, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh, the TNT title. So Wardlow is not defending the championship again at All Out. And instead, it's going to be Wardlow and FTR. And I thought it was going to be Lethal, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay. So now we talked about last week, you asked me, what's the point of the six-man? I agree. It was dumb. The whole idea of the match, though, was for Wardlow to powerbomb Satnam Singh. That's the whole story they've been telling on Rampage for the last month since Battle of the Belts. Okay, cool. Satnam Singh's not on the match anymore. So they upgraded it by incorporating the Motor City Machine Guns, which I think is awesome. I love that team. But it then begs the question... What the fuck is the point of having Wardlow even in this match? He has no real beef with Lethal. He already beat Lethal at Battle of the Belts 3 a few weeks ago. There's no history with him and the Motor City Machine Guns. And FDR the Machine Guns is awesome, but that should be a straight-up match maybe for the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles of the pay-per-view. It feels like they're just shoehorning Wardlow in here because, again, they have no idea what to do with the guy. And he's another example of someone who has been completely phased out in favor of everyone either coming back or whatever the case might be, but he's a guy that they've completely de-emphasized in the last two months, and he's been worse off because of that TNT title. Yeah, I mean, when I saw that last night, I was like, oh, cool, Motor City Machine Guns. But like you said, I circled back to, wait, haven't they been building a board load to finally get like this comeuppance on the Lethal Group and Powerbomb Sutton Singh at the Bay Real? Like, that's what they've been building up for. He's literally powerbombed everyone, and right when he was about to do Sutton Singh, something would happen. So you're like, okay. They're going to build him up, and then that's why he's going to be in the tag match. He's going to powerball him at the pay-per-view. And now they're just doing, like, this match is, like, it'll probably be a good match, but like you said, Wardlow should be defending the title in a singles match. And two, there's nothing on the line. It's just a six-man tag just to have a six-man tag. It's like what they did for, like, Fight Fight for the Fall and, like, all those shows before AEW was, like, an actual company and had TV. Like, yeah, it's a cool match, but where is it, like, in... It realistically it should just just be FTR versus Motion Machine Guns, like you said, but not even that. So it, it just feels extremely random now. And like you said, Warlord's just there because they have nothing else to do with them. Yeah, exactly. And addressing the obvious elephant in the room, as you mentioned earlier, FTR ranked number one in the rankings for what six months now, not getting a title shot for the X, you know, the upteen pay per view, whatever. Instead, it's going to the Acclaimed, which I don't mind. They've been over lately. They've been on a roll. They've been feuding with the Gun Club. Why that should have ended weeks ago, I I just don't care. Um, The fact they devote as much TV time and effort into those guys to me when there's so many other people not getting TV time is just... It blows my mind. It truly does. So they're instead going to be defending against the Acclaimed, is Swerve in our glory, as I mentioned earlier. I'm fine with that. I actually pitched it a couple of weeks ago. That makes sense. They're over. Swerve in our glory are over. But again kind of random when the acclaimed have not won any match like a number one contenders match they're not number one ranked is the idea oh ftr is busy so let's give it to the acclaimed because unless they because it's not like they won something on dynamite last night to earn that title shot instead it was announced in a backstage segment between two babyface teams again on 11 days notice a match that has zero build i mean i'm looking forward to it but again how can anyone really care about a match between two babyface teams that it was announced a week and a half before the pay-per-view no, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it doesn't really make much sense. Like you said, I haven't, couldn't say the last time I saw they claimed on TV wrestling. I could say the same with Swerve and Aglora. I mean, I couldn't say the last time I saw them on Dynamite. I know they're Rampage, Rampage uh, veterans now, but, I mean, only like 400,000 people are going to watch that show. So I don't think that many people have seen Swerve and Glory as well. But, I mean, I like the acclaim. I think it'll be a fun match. But like you said, FTR has been number one contenders for months and they haven't even got a shot yet. It's like a rib at this point. Like <laughs> they're the number one tag team, but they won't even get a chip. They get a title match. And it just, 
I don't, I don't know. It's just a completely like you said. It'll probably be a good match, but there's literally zero build besides a backstage segment. Then like, oh, we're gonna face you, and there's no heat, and it's on a ten day notice. Woo. Yeah, just I don't know for a company that thinks so highly of their tag team division. We've mentioned this before, but that's another issue. I still think their women's division is their biggest Achilles heel. I've talked about it a lot. I went on a rant about it last week, as you know, here in the show. But I, I do think the tag team division needs some, you know, attention here as well as far as, like, that's also a problem. They have a lot of teams, dude, and I will not discount their tag team division. They have a lot. They have the best tag team division in the world. They're doing the trios tournament right now, which is off to, I think, I think a good start, um, at least on Dynamite. And they're just, I don't know, they're completely, in, in favor of the new trios titles, they're completely neglecting the actual tag team titles held by a team that shouldn't be a team. Now, I went on a rant about this when Swerve and Her Glory became champions about a month ago um, because they have no business being champions. I love Keith Lee, I love Swerve, but it's like, why are they champions when they could be doing something more on their own and there's other teams that could be holding those championships instead, like FTR. It seems like the whole Buck FTR, the, the thing with the, the Bucks and the FTR match, rather, is what I meant to say, that going out the window completely fucked things up for this tag team title division. Well, yeah, the Bucks didn't want to do job out to FTR, so they dropped the belts to, theoretically, it was going to be the Hardy Boys, but then they couldn't make it. The Hardy Boys were theoretically going to win the championships. Yeah, off of um, obviously. Jurassic, yes. Off of Jungle Boy and, and Blugasaurus, yeah, obviously. That didn't happen, so then the Bucks won, just to have the Bucks win. And then they just dropped the belts randomly a couple weeks later, Swerve and, and Lee, and there was no reason for it. Like I said, it just made no sense. Like, Swerve and Lee got their shot at the BB when they lost. I mean, I just, I don't know. I just, like you said, and then now, like, I feel like they're putting all their eggs in the trios tournament, and then all this big tag team division that they've been talking about for years has gotten, like, zero time on TV. Like, we get the acclaimed and gun club every week. In the best friends, but we can't get swerving our glory on, on, on Dynamite. Yeah, I just, I don't understand that at all. I mean, we do, I will say the Acclaim stuff has been furthered on Dynamite. I will say that they did the dumpster match like anyone really gave a shit about that against the Gun Club a few weeks ago. Swerving our glory are really the ones that have gotten, I mean, they've gotten, they've been on Dynamite, but again, how much does it really count when they're 15 second, B, you know, VTRs or whatever backstage? And there's nothing meaningful that they're even really did. They're just like, oh, yeah, we're the champions, putting the division on notice. Okay, they've had no meaningful feud since they became champions, aside from fucking Mark Sterling and Tony Nese and Josh Woods. Like, anyone gave a shit. So, I, I don't know. I'm glad they're going to be on the show coming up next weekend. I mean, it would be blasphemous if they weren't even on the show defending their tag team titles. And the match makes sense. I'm not complaining about that, but, you know, the fact that there's no heat behind this, because they announced it out of nowhere, and they claimed they aren't even ranked number one, I mean, it's hard to take the, the ranking seriously when you do stuff like that. So I'm glad the Acclaimed are getting a shot. I mean, honestly, we'll do predictions next week. It's going to Next week is going to be pretty much an entirely a prediction show because we've got three shows to predict between All Out, Clash, and Worlds Collide. But, you know, off the top of your head right now, do you think it would be right? There, I mean, I know they're switching the titles left and right. But honestly, I would put the belts on the Acclaimed. I think they're over enough, and they have more momentum, and they're an actual tag team. I feel like this might be their peak, and they're probably not going to win. But that, to me, is the issue. Like, they've got enough shots, and they've always lost. Honestly, put the belts on them while you can. They're an actual team that deserves it. You can't keep the belts on the same people forever in a makeshift tag team that's not going to be around fucking six months from now. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to do it, now's the time. I just feel like if those belts are cursed, I feel like if you're not, like, a big team, once you win them, you, like, go down in popularity somehow and never go on TV. I feel like they'll win the belt, and then you'll never see the acclaim on Dynamite. So, um, 
I mean, I just feel like Swerve and Lee would be better on by themselves. Like I said, that would be perfect. Like, imagine, like, a heel Swerve versus Wardlow at the pay-per-view. Like, that would be probably be a great match. And I don't know. I, I think you could do a lot more with them as singles than as a tag team, but I don't know. The entire all-out card is not a mess. I will say that. There's a lot of matches that were kind of thrown out the window or adjusted. Kingston and Guevara, probably not happening. Not that I was overly anticipating that anyway, but it is a little weird that we've had no progression on that lately. Instead, we're getting, I think, Ruby Soho and uh, Santana, I believe. Or no, Ortiz, rather, versus uh, uh, Sammy and Ty on Friday's Rampage. But, again, the entire card is not in a complete state of disarray. We are getting Christian Cage and Jungle Boy. That was confirmed last night. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to that. I've enjoyed that feud so far. And we're also getting, to my surprise, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. I'm, I'm very happy they're actually doing this on the pay-per-view itself. And they're not, you know... Uh, I, I figured, honestly, they would do it on Dynamite or Rampage. Because that's what they did last year with Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Or Hobbs and Cage or whatever it was. That was a purely Dynamite or Rampage feud. There was no progression of that at all on uh, All Out. They weren't even at the pay-per-view. So I'm glad they're including Ricky Starks and Hobbs on the show because that's been exclusive to Dynamite lately. And I'm sure the match is going to be good. I thought Starks' promo on, on Dynamite last night was great. That's a match going into the show I'm actually looking forward to. No, it should be a fun match. Like I said, I, I think, unfortunately, I think it is going to be on the show because of the kingston Gravar stuff. Like I think that would outweigh that being on the show. And like you said, I think they'd probably have done it on Dynamite. It's going to be a great match. I just, with these two guys specifically for what they've done with them, I think it'll be a great match, but I'm very interested to see what happens with either guy after this match. So seemingly this will be the one match and then they'll go on their separate ways. I mean, even as Team Taz, they were never booked well, ever. So I, I like both guys a lot. I just I really interested. I think the match will be great and everything, but I really want to see after this match how these two guys are booked. I agree. It's going to be interesting. Um, I'm curious on your take on this one because, I, listen, I have been the biggest anti-Jericho appreciation society guy yet. I mean, I just hate the group. I think a lot of what they're involved in is garbage. I was not a fan of anarchy in the arena. I know I'm in the minority on that. I think the whole thing is dumb. I know that's the point for it to be dumb, but it takes up so much TV time and it's not remotely entertaining. It hasn't really helped anyone. Aside from Garcia, now Garcia, I will say, we agreed last week, very bland. I think the guy is an amazing wrestler. Um, as a character, he's been incredibly generic to me from the moment, and I know you as well, you would agree, since the moment he arrived in AEW. But I will say this, I thought he cut a very good promo last night, and he showed more personality than I've seen out of him in a very long time. He's not a great talker, but I thought last night he had a great promo, and that whole thing left me looking forward to Danielson and Jericho. Now, this very well probably will end in... Uh, Garcia sticking with Jericho Appreciation Society and it's all a ruse. That to me is disappointing. The crowd is behind Garcia. Just roll with it and put him in Blackpool Combat Club. The Jericho Appreciation Society shit is garbage anyway. So just pull the plug, but they're not going to because Jericho thinks he's a genius and Tony Khan kind of lets him do what he wants for the most part. It's it's not a good recipe. Um, but I actually liked what they did last night and it left me looking forward to Danielson and Jericho, which I think can be a very good match. Because Jericho, I thought, had a very good match with Moxley two weeks ago, and Danielson's amazing. So I actually like what they did, and I'm looking forward to the match at the pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, it should be a, a good match. I mean, I'm so out on the JAS stuff, it's not even funny. I mean, even the Blackpool Combat Club, I mean, I feel like they've toned it down lately, and it's just kind of there at this point. I mean, I think Garcia, like you said, will stay with Jericho. 
the whole everyone needs to be in a fashion thing is starting to really piss me off, too. It's so fucking annoying and so dumb. Like you mentioned earlier, like the Stokely Hathaway thing. Like, why would anyone care about him when he literally manages a bunch of underneath guys? So then he's just the underneath manager. So then who really cares at the end of the day? I don't know. I just feel like the GAS stuff hasn't helped any of those people at all. And the combo, the combat club, Blackpool, whatever the stupid shit is, like, they haven't done anything really besides the Anarchy and the Arena match. I feel like they haven't done anything since then. I mean, yeah, Claudio is the Ring of Honor champion. I think Wheeler's won too, but I don't know. When's the last time we saw him on Dynamite wrestling? I think Claudio was on Battle of the Belts, but didn't watch that. And he's always on Rampage, so. Yeah, he's going to be on Rampage. I mean, this I think week, this will yeah. be a good match. Yeah, I think it'll be a good match, but I mean, I feel like Brian should be facing newer people. Like I don't need to see him face Jericho, honestly. No, I understand. I'm fond of it as a pay-per-view match. I think it's a big enough match to do it the pay-per-view. From there, they can move on. But no, I I, I totally understand that. And it's a match they haven't you know done to death either, either in this company or WWE. So I'm okay with it for now. Um, the trios tournament. We got some progression on that since we last spoke. The elite advanced last week. Uh, best friends on Rampage last week. This week it was United Empires, Will Ospreay, and Aussie Open beating Death Triangle after the return of Kip Sabian after what a year and a half. Like I mean, I didn't. Re- I thought the execution was well done. I really don't care about Kip Sabian, but I thought he looked great. I would love to see him get a real shot. I, I doubt that's the case, but we'll see. Um, but regardless, I'm curious what your take is. I'm sure you didn't like it, but I actually really like this main event. I it was one of my favorite matches on Dynamite in a long time, if not ever. Um, I know it's not your sort of style, but, you know, they did advance. I'm happy Will Ospreay won because I think Will Ospreay and Aussie Open versus the Elite next week could be even better, and I'm looking forward to Ospreay and Omega sharing the ring together. So I'm curious what your take on the match last night was. Um, Omega being back, we didn't have a chance to discuss that last week because you weren't here, and what you think the finals of the tournament's going to be at All Out. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, if you like work rate and a thousand finishers, then this one was for you. I mean, I, I like it's fine if this was like a ten five, like if it was a ten minute match, I think it'd be more plot, like plot, plot, whatever the fucking word is, palatable to me. Yeah, but like a thirty minute, like just work rate, hit every move match for me, just like. Why are we even wrestling at this point? When you hit every move and every guy just pops up for a minute, just like that's why I honestly can't stand the trio matches because they just hit every move ever invented. They pop up from everything. It's just like a cluster match. I mean, like you said, Kip coming back. Never been a big Kip guy. Like maybe they'll do something. I very unlikely doubt it. Um, but it was nice to see Will Osprey win. I really do like him. But obviously, they're not going to beat the Elite next week. But. Uh, no, I mean, like I said, if you really like work rate and moves, then this was for you. For me, I'd, I'd rather watch like a storytelling one-on-one match. But um, Aussie Open winning was right. I mean, Pack winning that belt, has he ever defended it? And Death Triangle and the other two are just kind of there at this point. So I like Will Ospreay. The other two guys are decent. I mean, they're going to lose to the Elite next week. I know him and Omega have some kind of beef, I guess, or maybe it's just kayfabe. Who fucking knows? We'll see, but they're not going to win. I mean, I, I mean, at this point, I, I think the elite are winning. I, I, I think I don't even think anyone even left in the tournament would even say has a chance to even beat them. Who do you think they face in the finals? Do you think it's going to be House or Black or Dark Order? And both are facing off on Friday's Rampage. And I, I know it's a joke that Dark Order would win, but their mystery partner could be the deciding factor, and they probably want Paige in that match to face the Elite if they're going to have any interaction and if Paige, if Paige is not facing Moxley at the pay-per-view. So 
again, Silver and Reynolds, I like them as a team, but they're booked like jokes. Um, but I think that just that match is the one that makes the most sense. And I love House of Black, but I feel like they might do something with Miro and Darby Allen or whatever. So anyway, I, I do think it's going to be Dark Order and Elite. What say you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, theoretically, whoever wins will face the best friends. I mean, I could see like best friends. I don't think are winning though. Like, I don't think they're going to the finals. You don't think so? Eh, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I guess they could because they've been around forever. But I do think the story. Is... I, I honestly feel like it's just. A, it all really depends on what happens next week. I guess. I mean, if United Empire won, I could see them winning the whole thing. But like, if the Elite win, I just don't think. And I don't think. House of Black, Dark Order, or the Best Friends would beat them. I mean, maybe the Best Friends. I know Tony's, Tony's a big fan of Orange Cassidy, so could put the belts on them because they never got a tag team title run. Yeah. And Orange never wanted to. I mean, knowing them, they would do that. Like, they would have them beat the Elite or United Empire. But, I mean, looking at it now, if I, if I was booking, which I'm not, I'd put it on United Empire at this point of looking who's left. Oh, the no. Elite, try, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's... I feel like this whole thing was meant for the elite to win the belt, so I mean that's why I'm going to pick them. Oh, realistically, because I don't think yeah. Dark Order should win it, and I don't think Best Friend should win it. So there you go. Realistically, I would put the belts on Osprey and Aussie Open too if they were around to defend them on the shows, which I would hope they are. But I well, I didn't if it was up to me, actually, I would have put it on the tr- the Trust Busters, but uh, <laughs> I didn't advance out of the first round. <laughs> Stop. Oh my God. Um, oh, listen, I'm fuck. fine with the Elite winning it because I know this is leading at some point to Cole and Red Dragon versus them. That's another issue too. Cole and Red Dragon betrayed the Bucks. And I know Cole's hurt, but if he was healthy enough to be on the show to attack them, why wouldn't we have seen him on the show yet to explain why he did that? That was two or three weeks ago, dude. Yeah, I don't know. That makes makes no no fucking sense. sense. (laughs) I mean, come on. It's not like he got suspended. There's been no talk as to why he did that. None. We've seen the Bucks complaining about it and crying on the show during their terrible acting. And it's a logical feud to do. I'm fine with the feud, but the Bucks are just awful actors. But we haven't heard from Cole at all. I mean, I don't know. That just doesn't make a lot of sense. There's a lot of things that doesn't make any sense in this company. A lot like their women's division. We'll talk about this real quick before we go to Raw. Uh, I just want to talk about the Johnny thing mostly from Raw on Monday. But, um, you know, we had the women's division last night. They made the announcement in a 30-second VTR. The Thunder Rosa is not relinquishing the title, but she got hurt. She cannot defend the championship at all out. So an interim champion will be crowned in a four-way between Britt, Jamie, uh, Tony Storm and Sheeta. It honestly kind of seemed like they were leading towards a four-way anyway. I know they already announced Thunderstorm. Yeah, Thunderstorm, Tony, and uh, Thunder against each other for the show. But Britt and Jamie Hayter have been involved anyway. So I kind of felt like they might change it to a four-way. Instead, you're just replacing um, fucking Thunder Rosa with Sheeta. Thunder. Yeah, so Thunder Rosa with Sheeta. So the weird thing is that, listen, I, I think Sheeta's a great talent. I know you agree as well. She came out last night on the show, got no reaction. Now, I did hear from people that said that she got a reaction on Elevation. So maybe that's why. They already saw her earlier in the night. Okay, so that I understand that. It does not take away from the fact that as a viewer, I do not give a fuck at this point about Hikuru Shida. And that's not her fault. It's because she hasn't been on the show in what feels like six months since the Serena Deep feud ended. And she's been around. She, I mean, I know she went back to Japan briefly. She's been on Dark and Elevation this entire time, having random matches with Emi Sakura and people like that. So, it, to me, it, it's it's ridiculous that she would even be considered. But then again, 
I'm not even sure if she's in the top five. Maybe she is. I, I don't know. But the thing is, it's like, if it's not her, then who else? Because no one else in the division means a damn. Because they're never on the fucking show because their women's division, as I said for a 30-minute rant last week, means nothing because they don't feature them on the show. So I know I already went off on this. So I'm going to get your two cents before we uh, close it out here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think me and you both were big fans of Sheeta. I thought she was great as champion. She got the one-year reign, and then she got the two-year follow-up reign of being on Dark for, for some reason. I mean, <laughs> yeah. for some reason they do this with their women. I mean, even Britt Baker. I mean, we've seen her way less on the show than we did before when she was champion. So, you know, same thing when Thunder Rosa or probably quotes champion, like Nyla Rose. Like, if you go through the list of all their champions that they've had for the women's division specifically, like, they were on TV all the time when they were champion. Once they lose the belt, it's like, oh, you're not champion anymore? Off the dart because we're not going to see you anymore. So, yeah, there's no in-between I like Sheeta, there, yeah. but like you said, no, there's no in-between. And there's no feud besides for the championships anyways. But like you said, I, I like Sheeta, but, I mean, you could have heard a popcorn fart when she came out. And like you said, maybe they saw an elevation. I don't even, like, that don't mean anything. If I saw a fucking Io Shirai on elevation, saw her on Raw, I'd go fucking crazy. I mean, it just is what it is. I mean... It's more the fact that I just don't think people give a fuck, with, especially with her, everyone else that's out there. She's been the least least person shown on the show. And like you said, I, what's it been, six months, seven months, eight months? I don't know how long it's been because I couldn't tell you the last time I saw her in Dynamite. It's like that deep <laughs> match. I like Hater. I like Britt. But they've also like kind of deteriorated off the show. And then you got, Thun, uh, then you got Tony who, I mean, she, I like Tony, but she already lost to... Uh, I feel like she's already lost a handful of times for the title. So did Ruby Soho. Just not to, just to throw that in, just to let everyone know. And Ruby <laughs> Soho lost that uh, TBS title tournament again and lost every title match she's ever had. And she lost to... Who'd she lose to? Remember she said like it was like the biggest match of her career and then she lost? Yeah, was so she, Thunder she, or Jade Cargo? Yeah, well, she lost to Britt Baker for the women's title. And then she lost to Jade for the TBS title. And then at Double or Nothing, she lost to Britt for the Owen Hart title. Oh, yeah, yeah, biggest match of her career, yeah, I forgot, yeah. She got the star there, entrance, so, uh, and then she lost, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, and then she, yeah, she lost, and she hasn't been on TV since, yeah, what a <laughs> shame, so. I mean, I think this will be a decent match. I, I mean, Tony has to win, I feel. I mean, Definitely. I guess you can put the title back on Britt, uh, but I, I just feel like, not that it's short-changing, but I feel like a Thunder, they basically like, built this team up to, like, if Tony was going to win, she'd be Thunder. Seemingly not going to happen. She'll probably pin Sheeta, but, uh, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, injuries suck, but, I mean, they couldn't give uh, Thunder Rosa more than a 30-second VTR to tell everyone, like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Dude, literally, if you were fast-forwarding through the show, which I do if I'm either behind or catching I up. It. I missed it originally. There you go. I was going to say that would have been me, but I actually managed to catch it because I, I, I pressed play at the right moment because I have a Roku thing, so it doesn't show me what's going on while I'm fast-forwarding, so I have to kind of press it at the right time and kind of guess, oh, okay, three minutes after commercial, whatever. Um, no, you, you, you missed it. So they should have done it in the ring. CM Punk yep. got a 20-minute. Remember like when he vacated the title, he was in the ring for like 10 minutes. Thunder Rosa gets a 30-second backstage promo. Yep, I missed it originally. I uh, I was fast forwarding. I literally told Molly, I was like, I I had to go to the bathroom. I'm like, hey, when it comes back to like wrestling, turn it on. And like 20 minutes goes by, and I didn't see anything. I was on Twitter. Then I saw that they announced the Fatal Four Way at All Out. I'm like, wait, where the hell's Thunder Rosa? So then I rewinded it, and then I saw like it was like a quick thing with her and Shivani, and she was crying saying she's giving up the belt. I'm like, dude, 
If someone just walked away to grab a soda, they would have missed it. Yeah. Blink and you missed it. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They got to work on the pacing. It's absolutely ridiculous. They got to work on the pacing of these shows. Uh, last two things before I let you go from Raw. Usually I would go more in depth of the show, but there was a lot to discuss on the AW front as far as All Out and, and the show itself. But Raw, I thought was an overall great show in Montreal, or rather Toronto on Monday, Montreal for SmackDown last week. Two top stories. Number one, Johnny Gargano back in WWE, the worst-kept secret. It was more a matter of when than if. He came back on Monday's Raw out of completely nowhere, but he came back with Rebel Heart, feuding with Theory. I thought everything about this return was perfect, and I like the fact it wasn't spoiled in advance. They didn't announce it. It wasn't even hinted at by the dirt sheets. It just kind of came out of nowhere and got a great reaction in front of a crowd that was you know, familiar with him and happy to see him. So I thought everything about this return from Gargano was really, really well done. Oh, this was great. I mean, like you said, no spoils, nothing. Um, him coming out to Rumble Hard. I mean, once I heard the music, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know Molly we all were. I yeah. who it was, obviously. <laughs> Molly was like, who's this Who's this vanilla midget? And I'm like, yeah, 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 watch your mouth. But uh, no, I, I, I went off. I mean, I, I knew once he came out, and it was going to, just the way that, like we've said before, it's always like the debuts are cool, but like yep. putting them in a direction, like that's where they need to go. And like, Everyone that Triple H has brought him back has seemingly been put in a feud or in a new direction that we know where they're going. So once Gargano came out and we hadn't seen Theory all night, I'm like, oh, easily Theory's going to come out here. He's going to big dog him like he did, and mm-hmm. then that's the new that's the feud we're going to get. And it was great. And uh, it was a great debut or re-debut or whatever the return, whatever you want to call it, just like I said, just because it wasn't spoiled at all either, which was great. Um, and it's not like they did it like – the 9 o'clock hour on the 10 o'clock hour, it's like, oh, or 8, even when the show kicks off, like, yeah. oh, like, there was, like, like, the three spotlights that normally in a television format, you usually get big returns, but, like, I think it was, like, 10, 20, 10, 30, like, just randomly out of the commercial, it was amazing. Yeah, it came completely out of nowhere, it gives the show more of a musty feel, and with Triple H and Sean running things now, it kind of, um... You know, it, it makes things now not only just more must-see, but they have that synergy between the main roster and NXT where they can incorporate things from NXT, acknowledge their history, and not completely, you know, move on from it. And Gargano came out, the same music, same name, same everything, the, the same, so we don't have to, like, oh, it's it's someone completely different that we've never seen before in Butch. Like, give me a fucking break. Like, it just insults our intelligence. They're not doing that anymore. I appreciate that. And then the Theory feud is perfect, the perfect first feud for Gargano. To me, it doesn't really matter who goes over. I would have Gargano win because their mindset with Theory anyways, oh, he's got the briefcase. He can lose. It's fine. But, okay, whatever. But, um, you know, still, I think the matches are going to be great. It, it keeps Theory busy. Because I was wondering last week why they blew up the Ziggler thing so quickly. They hadn't had a match before last week. They announced it out of nowhere. Theory went clean. That was weird. And now we know why. This probably would have happened a couple of weeks ago if Theory was on the show. But he wasn't because he had a death in the family. So, uh, they wanted to blow up the Ziggler thing. Going to this the following week makes perfect sense to me, and I thought it was perfectly done. So I'm looking forward to that match when we get it. Um, what were your thoughts on Edge and Damian Priest in the main event and the post-match angle with Beth Phoenix saving uh, Edge from Judgment Day? Maybe setting up an either mixed tag for Clash of the Castle or just her in Edge's corner against uh, Finn Balor at the pay-per-view and Rhea Ripley in his. Yeah, I thought it was a good match. I thought they built it up well. I mean seemingly Triple H has also realized when you go to big cities that you can just bring back old veterans and the crowd will go fucking bananas. I mean, <laughs> next Trish week. Yep. Big, big fan of Trish. Loved her coming back. We got the uh, one more match tease in there. I mean, Uh-oh. she threw it out there. She's She's been going on the dirt sheet saying she wants a heel run. I mean, I'm all for it. I love Trish. Um, but that was great for a nice crowd pop. Edge coming out, the Toronto kid. That was amazing. 
Um, I thought him and Priest, like, they built it up for a couple of weeks. It wasn't like they just announced it. Like, this was a challenge made a couple of weeks ago um, by Priest. And then here we go in Toronto, main event. It was a good match. Uh, Beth saving him from Rhea. Great stuff. I, I would just do a mixed tag with them, too, versus Rhea and Finn at, at Clash of the Castle. I mean, Rhea, I, I feel like now it's more blatant more than ever that Rhea is basically the leader of Judgment Day, yep. which, I mean, she should be. I feel like she is the star in the group, and I think they've done well with her. I mean, she's come off as a badass. She kind of needs her comeuppance. I probably wouldn't have Beth beat her up. I would have Rhea beat the shit out of her and just keep her <laughs> strong, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, she's kicking the shit out of the guys. Might as well just beat the hell out of Beth too. I mean, she's just a badass right now, and she's the leader of the group. And I would just keep it going at this point. I agree. I would do the exact same thing. And uh, Judgment Day needs some heat anyway. They really never win whenever matters most. They lost at SummerSlam. Damian Priest lost to Edge. They need a win. I, I would probably have them win there. Edge's team can lose, and it would be okay. Maybe they can build the Edge and Balor at either Extreme Rules or on TV, but. I would do the exact same thing. Uh, one final thing I forgot. Dexter Loomis kidnapping The Miz and then reuniting with Indy Hartwell on NXT. I know you've been never been the biggest Dexter Loomis fan, but I think this was great. I, I want Dexter Loomis back as a heel, but you know this was interesting. I think The Miz is the perfect person for this sort of program. And the Indy Hartwell reunion, if you caught it on NXT, and the subsequent getting arrested by the cops whole angle, I thought was great. So curious on what your take on uh, that whole thing was. No, I thought it was good. Like, they did, like, the they first thought it was going to steal AJ, and it was just a fan, or, like, a planted fan, and then you had Dexter's Take the Miz, which was great. And then, like you said, the whole index stuff, I fucking died laughing. <laughs> uh, that's good shit. I just, like you said, even with last week when she was backstage and she got, like, the, the uh, Secret Admirer letter from Dexter, and then Blair Davenport ripped it up, like... They just, that was one week, and then next week he actually appears, they reconnect, and then he finally gets arrested for kidnapping people. So, I mean, I thought it was good stuff. Like I said, he's clearly, now he's going to be against The Miz. All the people they brought in now have a direction, and even with the guys from NXT UK, they brought in uh, Charlie Dempsey's fucking up Chase University, which is great. Yep. You have Gallus there. You have Blair Davenport going to be in the title match. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing it. I mean, it shows what when people know what they're doing, it, you can... Call people up, and if you put them right in something that means something, or at least on TV, it, it works every time. Yeah, NXT on Tuesday was all about introducing and establishing those NXT UK talents that now that NXT UK is no more, NXT Europe is coming next year, obviously, and I spoke a lot about that last week. But, you know, it was a mixed bag of a show because it's hard to introduce so many people at one time to people that aren't familiar and not watching NXT UK, which was has been the vast minority for a while. If no one really watches NXT, or, I mean, people do, a couple hundred thousand, far less than that are watching NXT UK, I can promise you. But, you know, we have a lot to talk about as far as the Worlds Collide stuff goes, Clash of the Castle, that's what Raw and NXT were all about this week. We'll save that for next week, because like I said, next week is going to be a big preview show for one of the biggest wrestling weekends all year. It's going to be Clash of the Castle Saturday afternoon. It's going to be Worlds Collide the following afternoon on that Sunday of Labor Day weekend. And then All Out that Sunday night from AEW. So I know you're going to be at a wedding next weekend, right? Yeah, I'll be gone Friday and Saturday. I'll be back Sunday. No, okay, so you'll be able to watch All Out Live, which is good. But uh, you're going to catch up on, on Clash, obviously. That's shaping up to be a good show, but we'll do a lot of predictions for those shows coming up next week here on the show. Every single Thursday, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, Pandora. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss an episode every single Thursday. Great reunite with you, Mr. Marceau. We have a lot to talk about next week, and I'm looking forward to it. Brother, have a great weekend. 
You too. I'll tell Theory you said hi when I see him on Saturday. Oh, make sure you tell him I have the dinner reservation book. <laughs> Sounds good, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Adios. Later.